My name is Phil. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you I haven't met yet, I just want to introduce myself, and, and I'll be in the lobby or the, or the parking lot, you know, after the service. I'd love to get a chance to just say hello to you. Um, we are doing a series uh, through the book of James. We're going to take, uh, it's probably going to take us all the way through June, uh, and then, you know, maybe even a little bit into the summer, we'll be, be getting through uh, the book of James, a verse-by-verse study in the book of James. I noticed something this week that I didn't notice previously. It's from James 1, 1. We're, gonna, we're, not gonna, we're gonna look at uh, James 1, 19 to 27, but, but James 1, 1, it says, uh, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And it just struck me that this message, this word to, uh, this book of James was written to a church that was scattered. And it's kind of like we've been scattered for the last 14 months, right? When you think about it, you know, those of you who are watching on Facebook Live and YouTube right now, you've been scattered, you know, unable to come and worship with us in person. Uh, those of us, even in this auditorium, we're here, but we're scattered. We're spread out a little bit. Um, and so I just realized it was like, oh, this is kind of timely for everything that we have going on. Um, but we're, I think we're, we're moving closer and closer to being able to uh, go back to being a gathered people, rather than a scattered people. I, I, you might probably have been following the news and noticed that about a week and a half ago, the CDC uh, recommended that, uh, that if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask indoors. Um, and so we've been, we've been following CDC guidelines all the way through this pandemic. There's, there's two things that we've been doing. We've been following CDC guidelines. We've been also been making sure we're compliant with New Jersey state law. And so, uh, so New Jersey has not yet lifted the indoor mask mandate, but apparently uh, on Monday, Governor Murphy is going to announce that it's going to be lifted. And so uh, what, what they're, I don't know why they do it that way. Why not just announce it? Why like leak it? But I don't know. It has to do with news cycles and it's what they do. But, but, uh, but so it's going to be for next weekend. I think it's going to be officially on Friday before Memorial Day that the mask mandate is going to be lifted. And so if that is the case, uh, what that'll mean is that next Sunday, if you're vaccinated, you won't need to wear a mask. Uh, <laughs> how do you really how do you really feel about that okay um but listen though but here's the thing if you want to continue to wear a mask by all means continue to wear a mask i mean we're not going you know we've always been a come as you are church and so that that totally applies now now if you're not vaccinated uh we're going to ask that you continue to continue to wear a mask in accordance with cdc guidelines we're not going to be asking for proof of vaccination so it's really just going to kind of be the honor system we are going to keep the chair set up like this uh, probably all the way through the summer. Uh, and those of you who are watching online, we're, we're, you know, we have, I call it family seating. So we've got like rows of four, rows of three, rows of two, rows of one. And, it, you know, it, it, we're going we're gonna to do it kind of for as long as we can. I think it kind of provide a little bit of a buffer for people. Uh, a couple other things just to be aware of. If your kids are in kids' church, and that's, that's kids age fifth grade and down, uh, they're going to need to continue to wear their masks. There's two reasons for that. One is they... In schools, kids are going to still need to, to wear masks, at least for the rest of the school year. And also, uh, there's, there's, there's um, clinical trials for, for vaccines in children that are going on right now that will be completed by, in, at some point in the summer. And I think they're trying to get that ready for the, for the fall, the, the um, beginning of school. So since kids aren't vaccinated, we're going to continue to have kids 
uh, wear a mask in kids' church, all right? So, so just wanted to let you know about this. It's going to be kind of weird. This, this thing that I've been wearing, uh, it's become like a, like a fashion accessory a little bit for me. I don't know. I feel like, like I'm uh, like in the Wild West, circle eight, circa 1880 or something. You know, I need a cowboy hat to go with it. But, uh, but uh, anyway, I will just keep an eye out for uh, emails and stuff. We'll let you know for sure uh, once, once, you know, Murphy makes this official tomorrow. All right. So we're going we're gonna to continue studying the book of James. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. We're going to study, we studied the first half of chapter, chapter 1 last week. We're going to do the second half this week. I'm going to read the whole section. I'm going to read it, you know, in one sitting, and, and then we'll kind of, you know, unpack it and go as, as, uh, as we move forward here. But the reason I want to read it all at once is I want you to notice something, all right? The title of this message is Love the Word, right? And so James, in this section, he is going to mention five times the relationship that the follower of Jesus needs to have with the Word of God. He calls it the Word. He calls it the perfect law. He calls it some different things, but he's talking about the Bible, all right? So, so, uh, so let's read. I'm going to start at verse 18, but on the screen it starts at verse 19. He chose to give us birth through the Word of truth. So there's the first time he mentions it, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word, second time, planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, number three, and so deceive yourselves, uh, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, for, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, there's five, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep themselves from being polluted by the, by the world. And so five times, James here is talking about the relationship that the follower of Jesus needs to have with the Word, the Word of God, the Word of the Gospel, the, the Bible that's been given to us, the important connection between the Christian and the Word. And so I just want to take a little bit of time as we unpack this, and I want us to be thinking through our relationship to the Word of God. I think it's actually really important that we do this. I think it's actually very timely that we do this. Because there is right now, I would say in society, there is a full court press that is, that is happening, that is trying to get us to, to change the way, trying to get followers of Jesus to change the way they view the Word of God, they interact with the Word of God. You have a lot of people in our culture who kind of just dismiss the Word of God. They say, well, this isn't relevant for today. This is archaic. This is something for, you know, there's no way that this is going to be helpful for the 21st century. We've kind of moved on, right? And then you have some Christians who are kind of buying into that. Christians who, who don't have the same view of Scripture, maybe that Christians had in the past. And, and so you have people who say, well, you know what, there are things that I like in the Bible. I like this teaching. I like that teaching. This brings me comfort. But there's some other things that I don't like so much. And so I don't think I want to worry about this. I think I'm going to kind of a la carte it. I'm going to take this, but I don't want this. And then you have whole churches 
that have really moved on from their commitment to the Bible, commitment to the Word of God. There have been many churches over the last, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years who have kind of left Histori- the, uh, the, the major kind of tenets of historic Christianity is defined by the creeds, kind of ways that, that, that churches have kind of defined what's important to believe for centuries. They've kind of moved on and kind of lowered their view of the Word of God, even though uh, what, what usually tends to happen within a few years, you know, within a generation, that those churches actually kind of oftentimes aren't even in existence anymore. I mean, I've seen, that, I've seen that happen in real time with some friends of mine who kind of moved away from a high view of the Bible, you know, led their churches away from a high view of the Bible. And, and, and I, I'm thinking of some specific individuals, and a lot of those churches aren't even in existence anymore. You know, it only took a couple of years. So remember, the first thing that Satan never said to humanity. When he, when he talked to Adam and Eve, and we, we talked a few months ago, we were talking about Genesis chapter 3, the first thing that Satan said was, did God really say? And so I think that that continues to be kind of a strategy that the enemy has. Did God really say? Trying to get us to question the word of God, and I think he's still trying to get us to do that today. Now, now Jesus, in his ministry, right, there were things that he did that everybody loved. Like he, you know, he turned water into wine and people were like, that's awesome. Jesus, here's some water. Please make it a fine Californian Merlot. That would be really, really great. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he multiplied the fish and the loaves and fed the 5,000. Like, Jesus, you're the best. We're going to make you king. This is phenomenal. This is wonderful. But then Jesus was trying to get them ready for his death. They didn't know that he was going to have to die on the cross. They had different expectations. So he started saying some hard things. And so one time he said to the crowd that was following him, he said, you know what? Listen, guys, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, what he was talking about was the cross and putting our faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. But people were just like, well, that's weird. That's kind of like, this is kind of like uncomfortable. This is kind of awkward. I think I'm out. You know, I'm out. This has gotten too hard. I'm going to leave. And so Jesus turned to his disciples and he said to his disciples, he said, are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter had this fantastic response in John chapter 6, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, the world is going to try to tell you Ditch Jesus, ditch Jesus, ditch the word, embrace the values of the world. Now, listen, here's the deal. You guys are in church. You know, some of you are here in person, others are online. Service is an hour and 15 minutes. Maybe you go to life group. That's another hour and a half. But like the rest of the time, there is a full court press that is going on in all of our lives to try to say the word of God is archaic, the word of God is not relevant, the word of God is not not helpful, you need to ditch it. And I have through the years, you know what, I've, I've talked to people from this church, people, you know, many different people who've said like, yeah, you know what, I think I'm kind of done with this Jesus thing. I don't know if I really believe this anymore. And so what I do in those moments, I don't argue with the person. I don't, I don't fight. You know, there were times years ago where I would try to fight. I realized like that, that's not helpful. So, so I don't argue. But what I do is I'll say something like, well, you know what, here's, here's what I know. Like, there's not a lot of stuff that I would say that I, like, I know. You know, I, I sometimes find that the older I get, the less things I'm like, here's a hill that I'm going to die on. Here's what I know for sure. But the things that are left that I really do, like, know, 
I kind of embrace them and I hold on to them tighter than I ever have. And, when, and I would say what it, the thing that I know is that I feel like I know that Jesus is real. That Jesus is real and that a connection with Jesus will make your life better. That there's something that, like having a living, a life-giving connection relationship with Jesus makes life better. And so I'll often say to the person in that situation, I'm going to be praying for you to find that. I'm going to be praying for you to find that light. I know it's hard and it's a journey, but I'm going to be praying for you to find that. And, and, but the thing that I feel like I know is that whatever roads we go down in the world, whatever, you know, whatever promises the world makes that we respond to, I, I just don't believe that we're going to find life there. I don't think that we're going to find, like, like, you know, Peter said, where else am I going to go? You're the one who has the words of life. And so, so what I'll often try to say to a person in that situation is like, we'll leave the light on for you. Like, we're not going anywhere. We're here. You're welcome. Please come back because I just don't think that you're going to find what it is you're looking for. You might find some distractions. You might be entertained for a while. There might be some diversions but I don't think you're going to find the life that you need. And so what is, I think what, what James is doing here is he's kind of forcing us to wrestle with this thing. What is going to be the basis for how I live my life? Is it going to be the world or is it going to be the word? What is going to be the basis for my life? The values of the world or the values of the word of God? And there's a stark contrast. But James says repeatedly in that section, five times, hold on to the word. The word is important. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. And so maybe, you know, you're reading the Psalms and they're like these nice little short things, these great poems. And and then you get to Psalm 119 and it just keeps going, like verse after verse after verse. But the whole thing about, you know, Psalm 119 is written about the Word of God, how how valuable the Word of God is, the law is. And Psalm 119.81 says, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your Word. See, what I know is that like this world is going to offer you a drink. And this world is going to say, this is going to satisfy. This is what you're looking for. This is what's going to be really good. But it's going to leave you thirsty. It's going to leave you faint. It's going to leave you longing. But the word of God satisfies our thirst. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 7, 24 to 25. He said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine right? The words of Jesus, the word of God, these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. See, what, what I know, like I said, the things that I kind of know that I would stake my life on is that the word The Word of God will help you survive in the midst of a crisis. And I'll tell you, this world is going to send crises your way. The winds and the waves are going to beat against your life. They will beat against your emotions. They will beat against your identity. They will beat against your family. They will beat against your goals. They'll beat against your sanity. They will beat against everything. But if we hear the words of Jesus, if we hear the Word of God, and we build our house on the rock of the word of God, the words of Christ, the winds and waves will come. They'll come, but our house will stand because it's built on a strong foundation. See, that's something that I, that I know, and I don't know if this is kind of coming through or not. I'm trying to, you know, I'm wanting to kind of influence you guys here because I'm a Bible person. Like I am, I'm a Bible. I have read the Bible pretty much every day of my life for my entire adult life. 
Like I just, every day I get up and I, the first, the first thing that I do is get a cup of coffee because I'm not a crazy person. The first thing that I do is I, after I get a cup of coffee is I sit down and I read the word of God. I have spent hours pouring over the Bible to teach and to prepare, you know, sermons. I have seen the word of God comfort people who are in impossible situations. I have seen through the years people who are just, you know, the wind and the waves beating against their lives in unimaginable ways, the death of a loved one, the death of a child, the death, you know, the the cancer diagnosis, the death of a dream, all sorts of challenges and difficulties. And I have seen the Word of God provide comfort and provide strength and provide hope and provide life to get people through the worst storms that life Life can throw at you. I have experienced the comfort that comes from the Word of God through some really hard storms that I would not have gotten through if it wasn't for the Word of God. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. I want you to love the Bible because there is a hope, there is a strength, there is a joy, there is a purpose that you can find from the words of Christ, the Word of God, that you won't find anywhere else. And the more you love it, the more you love it, the more you're going to take it in. And the more you're going to find that it satisfies and the more you're going to be able to build your life on the rock and the more you're going to experience the strength and the comfort and the hope that only comes through the enduring, life-giving Word of God. And so, and so uh, James here, he gives us some attitudes He talks about some attitudes that we should have as we interact with the Word of God. So let's kind of walk through this. James, the first is humbly accept the truth that confronts me. So verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the Word planted in you which can save you. So it says here that we need to humbly accept, we need to humbly accept the truth that confronts us. So why does it say that we need to humbly receive the word? Because we've got a lot of pride. And our pride shows up. Our pride manifests in a lot of different ways. James actually talks about some of the ways that pride shows up in our life, right? One of the reasons we have a hard time listening, and so we're so quick to talk to people, we're so quick to like, you know, be quiet, I'm going to give you my opinion now right? That's, that's pride. One of the reasons that we're so quick to get angry, right? That if somebody's blocking our will or we feel giving us a hard time, we're like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know how important I am? We get, we get angry. That's pride. It says in the same section, get rid of all moral filth. Listen, there's going to be times when you read the Bible that it will conflict with what you want to do. You'll be reading something about, you know, God like giving you peace that passes all understanding or something really, you'll be like, oh, this is so good. But then you'll come to something and you're like, oh, this is hard. This is, this is, a, this is a hard point. This is a hard one. This is difficult. If I, if I do this, people might look at me funny. If I do this, I don't know, my boss may not like it if I do this. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my whoever, this, this is a hard one. This makes me feel, this is, this is difficult. So I think I'm going to, I like this part about peace that passes all understanding. I'm not so sure about this. See, you see, here's the deal. One of the reasons that I have the high view of Scripture that I have is because we know that Jesus had a high view of Scripture. 
Like Jesus, you know, the Son of God, the one who died and rose again, he had a really high view of Scripture. I mean, the, the Hebrew Scripture, he was, you know, and his words, he was, he, was all, he was all about it. He spent the 33 years he had on life, he spent a lot of time memorizing the Bible. He quoted, he said things like, heaven and earth going to pass away before one little dot, one little letter passes away. And you see, here's the deal. If Jesus is my Lord, if I say Jesus is my Lord, then it'd be kind of weird if I'm like, all right, so on this really important thing about the, the nature of revelation and the Bible that we have, I, I like a lot of the things that you teach, Jesus, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diverge from you on this point. I, I got my own idea, my own. I don't know if I'm calling him my Lord, I don't know if I get to do that, right? Because, because if he's going to be my Lord and I'm going to follow him, I got to view the world the way that he views it. And so the way that he views scripture is an important part of that. I think... Right? It's like inherent in having a God and saying, you're my God, is that God gets to call the shots. Right? God gets to tell us what is right and what is wrong. Like it's kind of like inherent in what it means to have a God. God gets to say, this is the path you should go on. I don't want you to go down this path. Timothy Keller, he said this, Tim Keller, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. I think that's, that's something to really think about. And so James here says, humbly accept the word. Now, the word accept is the Greek word dekamai. It's the same word that's used when it says we should, we should accept a stranger, right? The Bible is like really into hospitality. So we're supposed to be hospitable. And so if you have your cousin say, hey, this friend of mine's coming, can they stay with you? As Christians, we're supposed to kind of be like, sure, come on, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be hospitable. And, uh, and so it says welcome or accept the stranger. And so we're supposed to say, hey, I don't know you. And maybe you're a little bit weird. Maybe, you know, we don't speak the same language or whatever it is, but come into my house and sit on my favorite chair and I'm going to get you some food. I'm going to accept you even though we're not totally familiar with each other. If there's something that you read in the Bible that strikes you funny or is hard, we're to humbly accept. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but actually as it is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. I heard someone say this, and you know, I, I kind of like this sentiment. The mark of a God-changed heart is that I like God telling me how to live. Because God is smarter than me, God is more loving than me, God is more like God knows more than I know. And so I want him to tell me how it is I should live. And so we humbly accept, number two, intently embrace the truth that guides me. Uh, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he, forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So James is talking about somebody who hears something or reads something and then immediately forgets about it and just kind of goes on with their life. And he uses this, this funny analogy of like, it's like looking in a mirror and then forgetting what you look like and just walking away. Now, I am at an age, and maybe some of you can relate to this, where like hairs grow in weird places. 
Uh, this might be an overshare, but, but like, like a hair will grow like on like my, like my shoulder. And I'm like, what is a hair doing? Like I've never, in all my years, never had a hair there. Like there are things, I'm just going to warn some of you younger people, I'm just going to warn you. Like things are going to happen to your ears. Like your ears, you're going to start growing this hair on your ear, like in your ear, on your ear. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up looking like a Chia pet. You know what I mean? It's just going to kind of keep going. And then I don't even want to, I don't know if I can talk about this. I don't know how real I can get in church, but, but let's talk about nose hairs for a minute. I mean, the older you get, the faster they grow. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, you're going too far, Pastor Phil. Too far with the illustration here. But what he's saying is, it's like, imagine if you like look in the mirror and your nose hairs are out of control and your ears are out of control and you got weird hairs that are sticking out everywhere and, and you're just like, wow, I'm a, I'm a hot mess right now. But rather than taking care of yourself and grooming yourself, you just like forget about it and you just go out and you just kind of deal with it saying, don't, don't do that. We are to look intently at the word of God, which means we're to say, God, as I look at your word, what do you have for me? What do you want to say to me? How do you want to challenge me? How do you want to change me? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, the word here that says intently is the same word that's used in the Bible to describe how Peter looked into the empty tomb of Jesus. Right? So remember uh, when, when, the, when the women came back and said to, to the disciples, we were at the tomb and it's empty, that, that James, or rather that Peter and John ran to the, to the tomb. And I always kind of got a kick out of the fact in the Gospel of John, right, John is writing about him and Peter running to the tomb to try to find out like the most important thing like that's affected human beings in history. Did Jesus rise from the dead? But John, next time like read it, I forget, I think it's like in, I forget what chapter it's in exactly, but in the resurrection account of John, like it's really important to John that he let everybody know that he beat Peter to the tomb. Did you ever notice that? Like, he just is like, and then, you know, I got there first, and then Peter came. Like, he, he just wants to make sure that, like, you guys need to know I beat him. And I'm a very competitive person, so I respect that. You know, I, I get it, but it's just kind of odd. But what it says is that Peter looked intently into the tomb. He was just like, what is going on here? Like, where is Jesus? This is really a big deal. And so the promise is here. He says, he says, verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. So do you want freedom in your life? Do you want freedom from, you know, what people think about you? Freedom from people pleasing? Do you want freedom from your anxieties and fears that plague you? Do you want freedom from like the stupid things that you do that you can't stop doing that keep tripping you up? Do you want freedom in your life? It says, look intently at the perfect law that gives freedom. And then it says, you will be blessed in what you do. And so if we want freedom... And if we want to live a God-blessed life, James is saying, look intently at the Word of God. We look humbly and we look intently. And so let me just give you some practical things to encourage you to do. Number one, set aside time to read, study, and meditate on God's Word. Every day, set aside time to do it. Interact with the Word of God. Get it to just be a habit. Get it to be part of your life. And where it says meditate, you know, so there's so many different ways you can do that. Where you just, this is where you look intently. 
And you just kind of go over in your head, what is God trying to say to me here? What is he putting his finger on? What, what, how does he want me to change? What does this really mean? How do I wrestle with this? And, and maybe you journal. Maybe you write what, what God is kind of saying to you and you explore it through journaling. Maybe you just kind of take a picture of the verse and, and kind of check in on it throughout the day. So you're thinking, kind of mulling it over, but we, but we meditate on it. We look intently. I would encourage you to have a Bible reading plan. Have a Bible reading plan. I have done one for years. I mean, going all the way back where I used to have to buy these like paper Bibles, you know, these one-year paper Bibles. But, uh, you know, we actually, on our app, uh, if, you go to, if you go to our app, we got a lot of cool things that are there. Right on the front page, uh, there's a little section that says, that says Bible. And uh, so if you click on that, I believe I, I could check, but I had to put my phone on airplane mode because people always, I'm part of so many group texts and they just always blow up on Sunday mornings. So I'm, I, can't, I can't press on this and, and show you what it is. But I think it was like three chapters from First Chronicles and then a chapter from the Gospel of John. The one that I read on a daily basis is a version Bible app. Daily Bible. It's, it's with uh, Nikki Gumbel, uh, who some of you might know from Alpha. And, uh, and so he uh, writes really some great illustrations and, and different things for all the sections that you're going to read that day. He gives you some really good insight. And then the final thing is, is you know, as our, our attitude towards the Bible is that we don't just read the Bible. We let the Bible read us. Like we understand that like the Bible, the Word of God is living. It's active, it's alive, it penetrates. Like we don't just kind of come, and, but we, if we come humbly to accept, if we come intently, then we're going to say, God, I want to come to your word. I want to come to your living word. And I want you to speak to me and I want you to challenge me and I want you to, to change me. And so the last part I have in your, in your outline, in the fill in the blank notes, I just put this in because I didn't know what else to call it, but, but uh, it just says an interesting conclusion of this section. So let me just end with this, right? Because it's because the last verse in chapter one, verse 27, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so you might think, well, this seems like a little bit of a non sequitur because James is talking about the word and about the relationship we're to have with the word. And then all of a sudden he says, you know, really like pure religion is that you need to look after the widow and, and the orphan. And you're like, okay, well, James, what does that have to do with the word? Is that like, that's like a non sequitur. What are you doing? You're like pivoting here. I, actually, I, I don't think it is a pivot because all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, the, 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 the teachings of Jesus, the teaching of the apostles, like all of it, there are three categories of people that God always tells his people to look out for. There is the foreigner or the immigrant, the, the fatherless or the orphan, and the widow. Like all throughout, like all throughout the Bible, like the whole thing, you are, if you are the people of God, you need to look out for the, for the, the immigrant, for the orphan, and the widow. Let me read a section to you. This is from Deuteronomy. This is the law. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 24, 17 to 22. I put this in here just because it's so striking how much this comes up. It says, do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. This, that is why I command you to do this. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. 
so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I commanded you to do this. And then Deuteronomy 10, 17, 18, it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigners residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And so, so the reason that all throughout the Bible, the, the immigrant and the orphan and the widow are, are singled out, and God's people, it said, you know, are told, we're told, take care of them, is because they are the ones who live on the margin's edge. They're the ones who live on the knife's edge with zero margin. Like, they're, they're not going to make it. If, somebody, if somebody's not looking out for them, they're, they're probably not going to make it. And so, the, you know, the immigrant, they, they weren't going to make it because maybe they left their family behind and they didn't have structure of relationships. And if there was a famine or whatever it was, they were toast, right? Back, back then, it's hard now to be fatherless. It was impossible back then to be fatherless. And if you were a widow, if your husband wasn't there, it was so hard. And so, and so what, what the message is all throughout the Bible, like all of it, is God's people are to care for the immigrant, the widow, and the orphan. And so if we are going to be a people who have a high view of Scripture, if we are to accept the authority of the Word and have that, that, that humble acceptance, that intent looking into the Word of God, we need to care for the immigrant, the widow, and the orphan. We need to care for the poor. And the church hasn't always done that. I grew up in a church that was very much like a Bible church. Like it was very much like an evangelical Bible church where, where it was all about teaching the Bible. And, uh, and I remember like my pastor, you know, when I was in high school, I believe he spent four or five years doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans. I mean, that's like the, the, the word of God was everything. I got to say, though, I don't remember one time growing up in that church that we ever did anything for the poor. Like, I don't remember it even, like, coming up. I don't remember food drives. I don't remember anything that happened. It was just like, that's not, that's not what we do. And I think the reason that James put this here is saying, listen, if we're going to have a fidelity to Scripture, if we're going to hold up the, the high view of the authority of the Word of God, like, we have to be about caring for the poor. Right? John Wimber, he would say this, the founder of the vineyard, he said, listen, if you're not kind to the poor, please don't put the name vineyard on your church. And I think that's because the scripture is so clear. And so, so what we do, the reason as, as we, you know, see our community center grow and we just, you know, had a wonderful, I just love just seeing what the food bank team is doing every, you know, every single week, all the people who are coming here and getting food. The reason we do that is because, of, because we have a high view of scripture. The reason that the next thing that we're going to be doing uh, with our community center is that we're going to be providing English as a second language because we're trying to be faithful to what the word of God says. And then for 
from there, we're going to figure out all sorts of other things that we can do. When I think something else that's on the docket is, is that we're going, to, we're going to figure out citizenship uh, classes for, for immigrants to help people because they want to make this country their home. And we're going to provide like, you know, legal counsel for people who, who have issues, especially when it comes to issues of immigration. We're going to always be looking into what we can do to help the marginalized. Not because, you know, we're this category or that category, but because we're called to have a faithfulness to Scripture. And Old Testament, New Testament, all of it, it's very clear that we are to care for the immigrant, we're to care for the fatherless, we're to care for the widow, we're to care for the poor and the marginalized. That's what it is we're called to do. And so, so I just wanted to include this verse in this message because I, I just want you to know how this goes together. And I want you to know, like, we're, we're a church, like, everybody's welcome here, and whatever you believe, whatever you're thinking, we're all on a journey, and, and we're, you're welcome no matter what. But I just want to be clear about who we are, where we're coming from. We have a, we have a high view of the Bible. We believe, I've always put it this way, because sometimes, you know, you can kind of get into the weeds when talking about, you know, what exactly is the level of inspiration and authority of Scripture. I've just always said, listen, God wanted us to have a book. We have the book he wants us to have, and that book has authority. You know, that book has authority for how we live our lives and how we do church. And so that's, the, that's where we're coming from. We have a, we have a message, the, the, hopefully the historic message of Jesus, the historic message of, of, of the Bible, of Christianity, uh, just trying to figure out how to best communicate that in the world that we live in, the 21st century world that we live in. But, but I don't think the message doesn't change. You know what, now we've got a lot of cameras and we've got different things that we do, but the message doesn't change. It's the historic message of Jesus, what it means for us to, to, to know him and to love him and to walk with him and to invite him into our life. And along with that, we see that just what goes right along with that is that we are to be a church that cares for the poor, that we are to care for the marginalized, not as some like extra thing that we do, but it's something that flows out of our commitment to the word of God because God is really clear about that. And so I just want to encourage you that, uh, that maybe, you know what, maybe God will speak to you today just, to, just about your own heart. And maybe, you know what, you've, you've been trying to read the Bible, but it's just gotten a little dusty, or it's just gotten a little bit hard to hold your attention, or something's going on. I just want to just pray for you that God will give you a fresh hunger, fresh revelation when you come to the Word of God. I love a prayer that, that Paul said to the, you know, that he, when he was praying for the Ephesians, he said that, that God would open up the eyes of your heart so you can see how wide and deep and, you know, just how incredible the love of God is. Maybe some of you, you need the eyes of your heart opened up as you sit down to read your Bible, that you would pray, God, look intently, humbly accept, and just say, God, would you just, just stir up something in my heart? Would you just speak to me that uh, that we need to we need to come to that place where where we are we are saying okay we're going to be connected we're going to be connected to the message of Jesus we're going to be we're going to build our life on the rock on this foundation and just be aware the world is continuing to do a full core press and maybe some of you are here right now and you're just kind of in the midst of that and maybe you even kind of came in and you're like I don't know which way I'm going to go just want to encourage you that Jesus loves you Jesus is for you. Jesus is real. Jesus rose from the dead. The things that he taught, the things that he said, we have the very words of God. And as we build our life on that, on that rock, 
that you're going to find something that's going to help you get through life, that the wind and the waves are going to come, the difficulties are going to come, the storms are going to come, the challenges are going to come, but the, but the Word of God endures forever. And as you stand, as you build your life on the Word of God, as you continue to remain connected to Jesus, you're going to find that your life will stand and your house will stand. Let's stand and let's pray. God, I just thank you for, Lord, just the fact that you have not left us alone. God, you have given us your Holy Spirit. You have given us your word. And God, I pray that you would just do something in our hearts that would just, Lord, create a greater hunger for your word. Lord, I pray that that your word, that your truth, would just satisfy our souls. And right now, wherever anyone is thirsty, wherever anyone feels faint, Lord, I pray that your word would comfort them. Lord, that you love them, that you're for them, that you're with them, that you have a plan and you have a purpose for them. And God, I just want to pray too for our church. Lord, we want to, we want to be a place, God, that, that just, Lord, that, that we have your heart. And that we not only will proclaim your message, God, but we'll also be your hands and your feet. And so, God, I pray that you would bless our community center. I pray that you would just continue to use us, God, to care for the marginalized, to care for the the immigrant, to care for the orphan, to care for the widow, to care for the poor. God, I pray that you would just increase our opportunity to, to provide, Lord, all the things that you want us to provide. As we move forward, God, I pray for all of the people who volunteer. I pray for all the people who are a part of this, God, that that we would just continue to, to do it not in our own strength, but in your strength. And God, I pray, I pray, Lord, for this whole surrounding community all around us. Lord, I pray that in lots of ways, but one way being through the North Jersey Vineyard, God, that through our message and through our ministry, God, that people would know that you are real, that people would know that they could be connected to you. People would know that you see them, that you care for them. And God, we pray that you would use us, God, that we would be your ambassadors and that you would help us to lift you up, God, in word and in deed. Because Jesus, you said that if you're lifted up, you will draw all people to you. And so we want to see people drawn to you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to close with a time of ministry. So people from the prayer ministry team are going to head over here to my right. And, uh, and so what a pray. You know, listen, if you want uh, God to just kind of do something in your heart to make the word of God come more alive to you, let somebody pray for you because it is a spiritual thing that happens. If, if, uh, if you're involved in helping with our food bank and the community center, let somebody pray that, that God will just, you know, fill you and anoint you to, to just continue to be his hands and feet. Whatever it is you want prayer for this morning, somebody would love to have the opportunity to pray for you. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great week and I'll see you soon.